0: Hey guys, in this episode, I'm gonna talk about what drives pricing and why we have such a housing crisis here in Australia. This is from my own experience being a property developer and developing many properties, both residential and commercial. I see areas that I'm developing in as being constrained from having amount of stock coming to market or the right amount of stock to catch up or meet that demand that's coming into the market. So in terms of pricing, there's really a function of two factors. It's, it's supply and demand and then it's capacity to pay. So think about property like any other commodity. If you've got one thing that two parties want and those parties both have a lot of money, they'll just keep bidding the price up until one party surrenders and the other party gets the property or that item, the commodity for that price. So it's about having not only the demand... It's about having restricted supply. If there's a lot of supply of one commodity, well, people can just go and get it wherever. So it's not a rarity. So people aren't going to be bidding the price up if they can just go around the corner and get the same thing at a lesser price. So that's going to bid the price down. So oversupply bids the price down when there's too much stock on market. And then undersupply normally bids the price up only that the price gets bid up providing that people can afford it so at the moment we have a lot of undersupply around the country but the prices aren't necessarily moving so that's a function of basically there's people that aren't able to afford it number one so it comes down to an affordability it also comes down to the greater economy so having confidence in our economy both Australia and around the world so there's a lot of people pessimistic at the moment that the economy is going to collapse we're going to go into a recession all that stuff plays a factor so that's really taking the demand out of the market so not so much as in they can still afford to buy it but they think the property values are going to go down so people don't want to buy for that reason property market's going down our economy is going to crash will I have a job next week do I want to just keep that money in the bank for a rainy day so you've got all of those factors and you are dealing with human beings so we all follow suit, so we all follow the crowd. Once one person jumps in, multiple people jump in, then you've got that crowd effect. So you don't want to be jumping in after the crowd's already jumped in. You want to be getting early but not too getting in early but not too early. So look on the supply side of things, if you're in pockets where people don't like developers, they don't like development, and there's not much supply coming to market. That's a good first telltale sign that you're in a tightly held market and over time that market should increase in value providing that around the corner they don't go and build thousands of properties that are cheaper than yours or that then compete with your property, your one individual property that you own. So that's on the supply side of the equation and developers provide supply to the market. So if you're looking at doing property development and I was talking to one of my team earlier this morning and we had one person that was looking at jumping on board with our program and they said, there's no deals anywhere. How do I know that uh, I'm going to be able to find any property development deals? And if you just look around, for starters, look in your own backyard, have a look at how many developments are happening in your area. So just have a look at any form of construction in the area that you live in. Unless you're living well remote Australia, and there's no construction happening, chances are you're gonna be living around the corner for some from some form of development. So something that's under construction. And I can I'll refer to just a single house. That's a development in its simplest form. So look, there's no point in doing development unless you're going to make money off it. Otherwise, what's the point of going to all of that effort in doing a, a property development deal? So you wanna be making money out of it, and most of the time. Developers should or do make money especially when you see big developments big developments don't get out of the ground unless the developers are making money that's just the fact of life otherwise they can't get the funding for it unless they're cash but there's very few people especially with bigger developments I'm talking you know 20, 30, 40, 50 units plus or dwellings you know if when you're at that scale generally it's bankrolled and not too many people have the cash to fund that entire development so On the supply side of things, if you're in an area where there's heavily restricted supply and over time you can see the writing in the wall so they're not gonna rezone it, Uh, people don't like developers and there's restricted supply, chances are over the long term that that market is going to go up in value, only providing that there's some reason for people to be paying more money. So I'm gonna use Byron Bay as an example uh, it is a coastal area, but there's limited development. There's limited availability of land. It is, especially the properties close to the beach, there's just limited number. So you've got the scarcity, you've got the rarity. There's no future supply or very limited future supply coming online. There's not a lot of development happening and developments are very hard to get approved in that council. So you've got all the community groups that don't like developers, don't like developments and they don't want bar and Bay to change. So you'll never see high-rises in Byron Bay, at least not in my lifetime, I don't, I don't believe, um, because the council is opposed to those. I mean, even low-density properties in there aren't being developed readily. So that's the Byron Bay market, and we've seen it skyrocket. And the only reason that it's skyrocketed is that you've got all the money out of Sydney going into Byron Bay. So you, you take an affluent demographic Where whether they're retirees or people buying their beach home, whether that's the first or second or third beach home. So you've got an affluent demographic. So you've got supply, lack of supply issues for one. So there's no supply. When the demand comes in, the demand comes in from Sydney generally. So you've got people that have money out of Sydney. So affordability is not an issue. So the issue that we're having at the moment and why Byron Bay isn't performing well in the current market is that people went and paid overs. But in saying that there are some properties that are still performing well, if somebody, if one person wants to be right on the beach and they have the money, they're just gonna pay it. If you are worth 100 or $200 million and you pay an extra 5 million for a property, who cares? If that's gonna be your beach home, the home that you enjoy, like who who cares if you're worth 100 million, 200 million, what's an extra 5 million to you? It doesn't matter, it's cash. And so people will do that just to get into that market to be in a particular spot that they really desire so you know that part of the market seems to still be tracking along but when there's a liquidity crunch which we're in at the moment as in there's less liquidity there's less liquid cash floating around than what there was 12 months ago I mean 12 months ago there was a lot of cash floating around now the lending restrictions have tightened so people can't borrow as much so there's less liquidity The share market has contracted, so the value of people's businesses isn't as much, whether they're on the stock exchange or not. So people's value of their businesses has declined, and a lot of people have finance on their business, where the business is valued and they go and withdraw finance. Similar to a property, where a property has a value, the bank will lend you X number of LVR, like X percentage of the value of the property. And so you withdraw that money at a rate and that's what the bank gets paid. So same with business lending. So a lot of that liquidity has come back out of the market, which means that there's still people that are sitting on money, but there's just less people that are sitting on as much money. And also there's people that are hoarding money at the moment. They're not spending it uh, frivolously. So in that Byron Bay market, as an example, we saw it go absolutely ballistic, as did a lot of other coastal areas with limited development. And over time, that market will increase or continue to increase, but it is very cyclical. in that you see money coming out of Sydney and being poured into Byron Bay, but that market had a massive run, so now it's cooled a little bit and markets normally go through a two to three year boom cycle and then they go through a stagnation period, which generally can be anything from two to five years and in regional markets, it can be longer. So I'm a bit pessimistic about those coastal markets because we saw the massive boom through COVID when everyone could work from home now that everyone has gone back to the office now that even business owners like myself are hiring staff and those that start those staff you know key staff can work from home but not everybody either wants to work from home or business owners don't allow people to work from home Five days a week so there's still that contact time and living in places like Byron Bay that are on the outskirts of the city if you have to commute to Brisbane from there that's a two and a half hour commute in no traffic and similarly with other areas outside of Sydney outside of Melbourne a lot of people have moved back closer towards the cities even if the touch point is only say three days a week personally I'm not driving two and a half hours each way if I had to be in Brisbane like from Byron Bay if I had to commute that even once a week I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do a two and a half hour commute each way. Like that's a, that's five hours commuting or more with traffic, just to be in the office one day. So if people have to do that three days, so people will get jack of commuting those distances. Uh, it might take another six months, twelve months. I mean, it's already the trend has already started to happen where people have started to move back to the cities. So the demand supply is heavily restricted. But the demand in those smaller niche markets has really been taken away with people not holidaying as much in Australia, for one. Maybe holidaying overseas, people moving back closer to the cities where the jobs are or where their workforce are if they're a business owner. So that demand has really dried up, which means people are looking less at beach homes and they're looking more at what house they can upgrade that's close to the city. So I'm very optimistic about capital cities over the next five years, even during this lull period that we're in at the moment. So I'm very optimistic about capital cities. I think the regional areas, some of them will have a boom or coastal areas will still have that boom just because of the money flowing through um, and people will want to buy other holiday homes. But generally, I think capital cities are very good buying compared to coastal in comparison. And that's going to drive the price up is in capital cities, we again, we have the restricted supply, especially of low-density dwellings in and around the city. So low-density being like single-story or double-story. So same equation. Have a look at the supply in the area or in the pocket that you're in and then have a look at the surrounding suburbs. Is there going to be long-term restricted supply or even short-term? But is there going to be restricted supply? Are developers building lots of units or lots of houses? If they are, then you've got a question... Hey, is this supply going to overtake the demand? And then you need to have a look at the demand side of the equation, which is are people moving into that area or are people buying beach homes in that area or whatever home? So, is that, and then what's the demographic? What's the affordability of that demand coming in? And it's really that simple. Um, It sounds simple, it is simple. Getting it right on the ground is a little bit more tricky. You've got to have a look at some statistics for one, or I look at some statistics, but property is very touchy-feely. If you're in a market and you study that market for long enough, you can get a bit of an idea or better get a bit of a feeling for where the market is heading based on what is the supply that's coming up, like what's being listed to market, how quickly are properties selling and who are they actually selling to? Are they selling to local buyers? Are they selling to interstate buyers with a lot more money? Like where's the money coming from? But generally... What happens with the property market is it goes through, as I mentioned before, a two to three-year boom cycle normally, and then it goes through a period of stagnation. And for a lot of markets, they've had that two to three-year boom, and now they're going through that stagnation period because people don't want to pay what they have been paying, and there's also more choice in a lot of areas. And some areas over the next couple of years will have more choice to as in there's going to be more properties coming to market and other areas will have less properties coming to market. So those areas where there's less properties coming to market over the next few years and the buyers still can afford to purchase the properties and there's still value in that market, then those areas will still perform even during this period of stagnation over the entire country. Um, Those areas will still continue to perform and those areas where the opposite is true where the supply is going too much, prices have boomed and the price is now at a point where it's unaffordable, so it's wiped a lot of the buyers out of the market, then those areas I think will have a price correction. So there's areas that surround me where I live where the more affordable areas have had price corrections because there's more properties that have come to market and those affordable areas have had maybe a 10 or 15, 20% price correction and they've got nothing really unique about them. Whereas the properties on the beach, they haven't really moved. And the difference is that people still want to live on the beach. Um, in the area that I'm in, people haven't paid. They still have paid silly amount of money, but they haven't gone like to the same point of like a Byron Bay of the world. So people will still pay to be in a specific location if they have the money. And if they've got the cash and that's the property that they want, they're just going to pay for it and you know you still need a willing seller as well so if you're a seller, if you're a seller of a property if you're desperate and you need the cash you're just going to take the next offer if you want to move that property quickly you're just going to take that offer or the best offer you can at the time if you're not as motivated you're going to hang out a bit longer until the buyer is really willing and able to pay the price that you've set and if the buyer has the money then you're just going to hang around for either them to buy it or another willing buyer to come along who's gonna part with the cash. So there's that supply, the demand side, as long as the demand can afford to pay for the property, it will keep driving the price up. I hope that's really helped you understand the property economics or what really feeds into the price rises that we've experienced and also that we're going to experience over the next cycle and how it's going to look hopefully in the suburbs that you're looking at and maybe some things to consider when you're buying your next property purchase but look there's a lot more to go into there's a lot of data that I look at that I analyze I don't take that as gospel but it just helps paint the whole story being on the ground looking at those particular aspects and then having the data back it up and if you look at the data by itself and it looks good, and then you can confirm it in real life, you know, you're know, you generally on to a winner, but if one of them is out, if a data looks different to what's on the ground, something is out there, and maybe it is that the data is old and the data is actually incorrect, which happens quite frequently. You would be surprised what the data looks like for areas that are about to boom. And see, the data only will catch up once the area starts to boom, so sometimes if you want to ride that early wave, You've got to get in before the statistics actually show that it's good good to get into that market. But then on the flip side, if you want to play it safe, you get into a market once it starts rising because you generally can ride out that two to three year growth wave. Thanks for listening. Any questions, please let me know. And if you want to follow for more, I run courses, training that is completely structured that will go into a lot more depth around these items, these topics that I've spoken about. There's some free structured training that I have as part of the website if you wanna go and check that out. And we'll see you on the other side.